Don't worry about a thing Cause everything's gonna be alright After this, can we eat? <laughs> yeah chair comfortable do you want like a pillow or anything my chair's fine oh, all right mm-hmm. excellent okay well here we are hi sarah hi jane this is our podcast <laughs> welcome to you know what i've been wondering and what have you been wondering because <laughs> i don't um i feel like on a day-to-day basis i wonder so much that i like don't even think of like we both work with kids and i feel like all the time they're like why does this happen and i'm like Good no, question. You're right. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know why the sky is blue. <laughs> we'll get into that. Yeah, so welcome to our podcast that multiple people told us not to make. <laughs> and that a podcast we don't have time for. We had so many people that were like, we're going to start a podcast now. Oh. I know, like they were all just kind of like, really? I know this is like the most millennial thing ever, but I'm allowed to have hobbies. And I guess this is mine now. My very expensive hobby. <laughs> It's an investment, you know? Yeah, it's a financial investment. Truly, truly. And we don't have to run a recording studio. We can just do it in your move, bedroom. Move our kitchen table into my bedroom and call it a day. <laughs> I was going to say we've done a lot in your bedroom in the past. Well, oh, makes, God. But that makes us sound not at all what I mean. No. Just, it's really hot today, or it was yesterday, oh and the God, heat so in our hot. building is still hot. So I slept in Sarah's bed last night because she doesn't has have air, air conditioning. <laughs> he doesn't have air conditioning. So she slept in my room, and she was doing, we were doing our research next to each other and we were both like laughing and I was like what and we kept being like no we can't I can't tell you no (laughs) you have to save it for the air yeah save it for the air so Jane and I Jane and I have been talking about doing this for like a year at this point um because her and I are both really into um this other podcast and we kept saying like oh we could totally do that which like we can't it's and that's why we drink and they're perfect (laughs) and like we're not at that caliber so Jane and I are We've been talking about this for, like, a year, and then last week, Jane had an audition in Boston, so we had a four-hour car ride there and back. And by the time we got to Boston, audio audio equipment was in my cart on Amazon. (laughs) And we were kind of like, well, like, what would the financial investment be? And we looked into it, and then we were sitting in our friend Philippa's room, who, she was not there. (laughs) So shout out to Philippa. Because it all happened podcast, in your bed. This podcast was born in your bed. <laughs> no, no, no. Sarah did it all, was sitting in the bed recording. I was sitting on the floor for hours cutting out headshots of myself because staples <laughs> screwed me over. By being closed. By being closed. Also, I would like to call out the staples were closing at 6 p.m. Like, what? what was that about? <laughs> staples in Boston, what are you doing? I didn't even need a person to help me. I just needed to use your printer, which is a self-service office. <laughs> So instead of going to Staples, we're sitting there talking, and we had originally thought of a different title, and then we found out that was taken. So we came up with, you know what I've been wondering, and we were like, let's just, let's just do it. We think about a lot of things. <laughs> so, and then we ordered the sound equipment, and now it's a week later, and here we are. So I'm excited to go on this journey with you, Jane. The journey. <laughs> After saying that we're going to do it for a year. I was on the phone with my mom last week, and I 
I also have a YouTube channel if you guys want to like watch it. Me and my other friend Taylor, we it's called Lunar Buzz because I'm really into the moon and she's really into bees. Um, but it's romance themed and mostly we watch um, The Bachelor and talk about it. But we also um, sometimes review rom-coms or movies that maybe not necessarily are rom-coms, but are romantic in theme. Um, and I was calling my mom and I was about to go record an episode with Taylor of um, Bitch and Batch, which is our uh, series about The Bachelor. Um, and my mom, this shows how long that we've been talking about starting a podcast because she went, oh, I've, I've been such a terrible mother. I haven't watched a single episode of your YouTube series or listened to a single episode of your podcast. <laughs> We haven't even started the podcast yet. <laughs> I don't know if we ever will. And then last week we were like, you know what? No, let's do it. Let's do it. Um, and another plug for Bitch and Batch. I get. I was a guest in their in their series finale for the last season of The Bachelor. So go check it out. It's youtube.com slash LunarBuzz. Yeah. If you go on YouTube and look up LunarBuzz, I think we're, I don't know if we're LunarBuzz Productions or if we're, I think it might be LunarBuzz Productions actually. Excellent. I love that for you. Jane, do you want to talk a little bit about what we're going to be doing? Yes, so um, for this first episode, we've sort of planned ahead and picked topics, but um, at the end of each episode, we're going to be asking each other, like, something that, you know, has been on our mind that we've been wondering about this crazy modern world we live in that just a lot of parts of it don't make sense. So, you know, at the end of every episode, we'll be like, hey, Sarah, you know what I've been wondering? And then that'll be the prompt for next week's topics but for our first episode we have pre-chosen topics that we've collectively been wondering about yeah so the topics that we're going to be picking are going to be on like a pretty huge spectrum it can be pretty much anything we're definitely not just going to be focusing on some on what we're focusing on today is very like mystical which we'll talk about in a minute but it's definitely not going to be that every week no um you know i have some science questions for jane (laughs) that she's going to need to answer because i don't really understand science (laughs) and math we're going to cover history popular culture if something happens in the news we might talk about that um so yeah this is a pretty free form operation we got going on right now it can be it can be anything we want it to be isn't that isn't that beautiful (laughs) sky's the limit sky is really the limit okay so what i've been wondering about lately is astrology um both of us are really into it i don't know if you have the co-star app everyone should download that app i have been using that a lot lately um it's basically like an astrology app that tells you gives you advice for your day okay Um, wait i know i'm already getting off topic but has right. been dragging you lately? Because it's really been <laughs> dragging you. It sends you notifications every day that tell you a little bit about, like, what your, like, stars are doing for your personality that day. And mine has been, like, don't make an enemy when one doesn't exist. Or Didn't it tell you to, like, fold your laundry the other day when you hadn't yet? Yeah, it literally was, like, don't put off doing your laundry. And I literally, this is when we were in Boston, and I literally had done my laundry. It was all clean, but I didn't put it away before we left. So I just sorted it according to, like, where it needed to go and put it on my bed for when I got back. And while we were driving back from Boston, the notification popped up, and it was, like, don't put off doing your laundry. (laughs) You should do it now. And I was, like. Oh my god, it knows that when we get home at like 8 o'clock, I'm gonna, the first thing we have to do is put away laundry, otherwise I can't sit in my bed. Um, yeah, it really drags me. It really knows me. My um, co-star notification 
that I got two hours ago said, your day at a glance, your mind travels at the speed of a bullet today, which is kind of true. Like the one thing I'm already worried about with this podcast is that my brain goes way faster than my mouth. Mm. And then I just like get confused by it all. And like, sometimes we'll say sentences out of order. Um, That's fine. I'm with you. But you know, I took notes and I prepared for this. So Great. All right. Sorry. I got us off track. Let's go back. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. It's fine. Um, Cause we were talking about co-star. Um, and we talk about astrology a lot. We have a couple friends who are good at reading charts. Um, uh, so I just thought I'd, you know, look into what it all, what it is all about, which I feel like I've said four I, times this already. This is something I've been wondering about. This is going to be really great. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so I got some of this information from Wikipedia, which, by the way, Wikipedia, like, is so judgmental. Um, <laughs> astrology. <laughs> Why? What did they say? Like, the first thing you look up... First, I got the Google definition of astrology, and then I looked it up on Wikipedia, and the definitions, like, Google defines astrology as um, the study of movements and relative positions of celestial bodies interpreted as having influence on human affairs and the natural world. Wikipedia (laughs) calls it a pseudoscience that claims to divine information about human affairs and terrestrial events by studying the movements and the relative positions of celestial objects. And then if you continue to read the intro of what astrology is on Wikipedia, the conclusion sentence is, astrology is now recognized as a pseudoscience. <laughs> Let me keep going. A belief that is incorrectly presented as scientific. Oh my god. Which Wikipedia. <laughs> I'm a scientist. I'm not going to claim that. It's because they're mad that there are all these millennials who are like, I read birth charts. I'm a scientist. <laughs> Which like, I mean, it's like astronomy. I mean, some people who, like, believe in astrology are like, wow, this defines me exactly. This explains everything in my life. This is so mm-hmm. true. And then I know some people who are like, I'm, I identify with my birth sign in no ways. Like, our friend right. Jenna, she's a Libra. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I don't think I'm a Libra in any way. But that's one of the things that I think is Libra about her. But anyway. Um. <laughs> well, it's interesting. I feel like you could be all day long is that closer to spirituality or is it closer to science like i do so i'm gonna get into the history of it a little bit which most of the history actually all of the history i got from this book that i already had um called star power a simple guide to astrology for the modern mystic and the beginning of it it goes into a brief history it's written by vanessa montgomery by the way highly recommend um it teaches you all about how to read birth charts it's really cool Um, But here's the history. So um, astrology actually drove the development of both astronomy and mathematics. Oh, already on the science. Yeah, yeah. For millennia, science and the arts were seen as one multifaceted system, but as the holistic view of life separated into branches of study, the connection was lost. So basically, science like came as a result of people wondering why stuff in the world happens, mm-hmm. and astrology was like, why? great, let's answer it. Yeah, they were like, let's see why the moon and the stars does this. Okay. Gotcha. All right, now this next part blew my mind. So the oldest form of celestial study, study on record are 32,000-year-old bone carvings. What? I know, and cave paintings of the moon's phases, which, I it just boggles my mind that there are people around back okay, then. Okay, this, like, proves that reincarnation is real because you were that person <laughs> 32,000 years ago. I was in the cave. Carving. It's like everyone else is like, we're hunting for meat to, like, survive the winter, and you're like, I drew the phases of the moon. <laughs> so a basic timeline 
follows the development of astrology. Astrology. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I want to get a dog and name it astrology. Oh my god, the cutest dog. <laughs> the development of astrology from Mesopotamia uh, in around 6000 BCE through ancient Egypt to Babylon in around 24,000 mm. to 331 BCE, then to Greece, onto the Roman Empire, Persia between. 226 and 651 CEs. Like, now we're getting into the, like, you know, CE. Um, (laughs) Recent time. (laughs) Arabia from 750 to 950. And finally, to Britain and Europe in the Middle Ages. Oh, so it didn't really come into, like, Western culture until the Middle... Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. In the Middle Ages, that's where the house division system that we use today was created, which I'll get into that in a bit. Was it, like, Galileo? I feel like Galileo was (laughs) I didn't read anything about Galileo. He was into it. I'm sure he was into it. Uh, This whole, like, paragraph, though, that I just read, like, that was, like, wow, take me back to sixth grade world history, like, learning about Mesopotamia. (laughs) You learned about that in sixth grade? I could not tell you when and if I learned about that. Oh, no. Sixth grade was world history. Seventh grade was American history. And eighth grade was, I think, freshman year of high school that I think I retook, like, I took a different world history class. Yeah, we had, in ninth grade, we had African-Asian studies, and then Mm. in 10th grade, we had European studies. So we, like, Mm. never really got official world history. So we never really learned about, like, Persia, Mesopotamia, all of that. So I'm going to be, that's something that I'm wondering about. That's a gap (laughs) in my education that we're going to need to cover. Okay, okay. I'll teach you all about ancient Mesopotamia next episode. I want nothing more than to learn about Mesopotamia. Mesopotamia? I just remember being so important. Where was it? It's. I think it's where Iraq is now. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, that's in like, the Middle East. Yeah, like we learned about the Middle East, but more in like a modern context. More in a like, <laughs> this is like terrible. Our entire African Asian studies class was like framed around colonialism. Oh my goodness. Which is just like awful. Well, I mean, that's, you know, exemplary. Um, the widespread recognition of astrology declined with the rise of the power of the Christian church. Oh. Mm-hmm. But in India, Vedic, Vedic astrology continued on as an unbroken path and remains in use to this day. So, like, good for India, you know. What? Although, like, not saying that India had a perfect life <laughs> when the Christian church came in. But no, definitely not a perfect life. Uh, no. Um, but we're mostly today talking about Western astrology. Um, and so we're going to jump ahead in history a little bit. Um, where interest was renewed in astrology in the 19th century, along with a wave of non-denominational spiritualism. Ooh, we love that. Mm -hmm. So star sign horoscopes started appearing in tabloid newspapers in the 1930s. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm just imagining all these 1930s housewives who's like, it's the depression, we can't do anything, but let's find out what Mercury's doing. Like, Mercury's communication, what's the one that's like, What's the one that's all about, like, your ability to, like, prosper? Oh, she opens the book. What was your question? (laughs) What's, so if it's the Great Depression, um, and there's no money and no jobs, what planet would they need to, like, what planet would they blame on that? You know, like, for work, Um, like, work. I don't know if that would really have anything to do with, um, okay, well, I'll get into how it functions in a bit, um. So we'll get into how Mercury caused the Great Depression in a, in a little bit. In a little bit. Um, I'll get there in a bit. Um, but at first I want to keep going with my history and then I'll get back to that. So early to mid-20th century psychologists, like Carl Jung apparently was like 
a big name in the psychology game back then who mm-hmm. did this, um, merged astrology and psychology, developing humanistic astrology. And that's what, that's the type of astrology that we are talking about today. Humanistic, humanistic astrology. astrology. Great, mm-hmm, great, great, great. Mm-hmm. Is there like dogistic astrology? <laughs> <laughs> they have their own astrology. No, 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 no. My cat Kramer is a Taurus and he knows it. Um, <laughs> And then in the 60s and 70s, you know, everyone was... I just feel like when I picture the 60s and 70s and I'm talking about astrology, I can only hear... I just hear hair. Oh, yeah. Uh, So in the 60s and 70s, there was a shift in social consciousness and a whole generation wanted to reject restrictive cultural codes um, with many revisiting and further developing astrology as a tool for self-exploration and expression, which is really what I think this is all about. You know, it's all about self-expression. Right. But also, like, I've seen a lot of people say, like, horoscopes and, like, things like that are specifically written vague- vaguely because you, like, insert yourself where you want to see yourself. So, like, I I often will read the Leo horoscopes and be like, yes, but I'm a cusp Leo. I was born mm-hmm. on the 22nd of August, so the next day starts Virgo. So sometimes I've read Virgo horoscopes scopes and been like oh like that also really applies um so i think there's also this like willingness to buy into what's given to you as being like yeah i am like that because it's like reaffirming Mm -hmm. what you already think about yourself Mm -hmm. so fun fact and this kind of blew my mind 2011 to 2026 in particular where we are right now okay yeah we're gonna um, have have astrological marks of being an ultra spiritual cycle (gasps) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. does that mean like stars and like planets are affecting us more i think so Um, so having and it's involving a mass awakening of women searching for deeper meaning (gasps) yes the awakening of women i love that for them i know (laughs) so i kind of wonder though like if you believe in astrology, does that mean... I feel like it's kind of a fad right now. Mm, like, yeah, more yeah, so yeah. than it used to be. Yeah, um, Which is part of why I was wondering about it. Like, why is it more... Because I, I feel like I always knew it existed. Like, my mom the other day, I was talking to her about her astrology. And she, like, looked up... She knew she was a Libra, but she didn't know anything about that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like, it my mom doesn't existed. know anything about being a Pisces. Even though, like, when I... Based off of what I know about Pisces, yeah. when I look at her, I'm like, oh, yeah, you're definitely a Pisces. But, like, is the reason why it's such a fad right now? Because the stars... We're in this ultra spiritual right. time. Right. 2011 to 2026. Gosh, the minute it turns 2027, which is eight years away. <laughs> uh, oh I wonder if things will be like really boring. Uh, <laughs> you know, maybe All right, can... set a reminder. Alexa. Shady woman. Remind me in 2027 to check if things are boring. On what day? Uh, I don't know. January March? 1st. January 1st. Okay. I'll remind you January 1st at 8.27 p.m. No. No. Damn it. <laughs> no, the year 2027. I think by the time it's 2027, Alexa's going to be a person that's a robot that oh lives my in gosh. your house with you and does your, does your cleaning. <laughs> that's really what I have on the history. Um, now I'm going to kind of get into function a little bit because Excellent. it's a lot more mathematical than I realized. <gasps> you love math. I love math. I know that's strange no own it the other day i was at work and um this past week at the after school program that both of us work at at my school we took our kids on a field trip to the math museum in new york and i was talking to my coworkers about it on monday and they were all like oh yeah we're going to the math museum and i was i was like i'm pumped and all of them were like wait why because i love math it's like a puzzle it is like a puzzle so Um, are you essentially saying that astrology is the puzzle of the stars (laughs) 
Yeah. Okay, well, like, it's all about geometry, essentially. What? Um, I hate geometry. <laughs> it all has to do with the houses, which, mm. not Hogwarts houses. Basically, the, sun, the sky is divided into 12 houses. Right. Geometrically. The horizon line, that's where the first house starts. Like, the horizon line on Earth, like, if I looked out across a field and where the, that, yeah. that horizon line? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that is the first house. And all of astrology is based on when certain planets are in certain houses. Like, they're not they're not all the same size. Like, astrological signs, those are all divided into exactly 30 degrees so that it, like, <gasps> fits perfectly. But, That's um, crazy. I didn't know that. They're, all of the houses are not exactly the same size. They vary. So different. is that why on birth charts they have degrees on there sometimes? Yes. Um, oh, I yeah. was like, is this a temperature? <laughs> no. Is this how hot it was? No, like, and there's a lot that has to do with, like, the angles between different planets and different things. Those are really oh. important. Um, but essentially the biggest thing that matters is the houses and the, where the planets are mm-hmm. in each one. And your sign is determined by in which house the sun is when you were born. Oh. Mm-hmm. So it's not just, like, random mm-hmm. date. That is the time of year that the sun is in a specific house. Gotcha. So, like, Aries, for example, the sun is in the first house from March 21st to April 19th. Gotcha. So you are an Aries because you were born when the sun was in the first house. We are Leos, which means that we were born when the sun was in the fifth house. Mm-hmm. Oh. So all of them have a specific house that they're um, divided. But you can learn further things about yourself by seeing, like, where Venus was when you were born and where Mercury was and where Mars was. And all of the planets have specific have specific functions, but all of the houses do also. So, like, there's one house that has to do with work, and mm-hmm. there's one house that has to do with family. And, like, mm. if Mars is in the first house... Mars has to do with action, mm-hmm. and so, like, if Mars is in the house that has to do with action, with work, then mm-hmm. that means, like, you're very work-oriented, you're, um, like, all of your actions are going towards your work. Your rising sign, like we said, the first house is the house that's on the horizon, and so your rising sign is whatever house was in the first house mm-hmm. when you were born. So that's why rising sign is different than your sun sign. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have this whole... Um, chart here that I made um, that literally says all of the sun, all of the um, sun signs because I check this technically what they are. The dates, what planet rules them. Here, I'll talk about our house specifically. Yeah, so talk to me about Leos. Talk to me about Leos. We're drive, both Leos. Drive me. Um, first of all, Leo is ruled by the sun, which I feel like. <laughs> Obviously. It's such a personal drag to me because I'm always like, no, I love the moon. I literally want to get a tattoo that's the sun and the moon overlapping mm-hmm. because there was a time in college. This girl was going around and talking about how like everyone has either a solar or a lunar energy. And mm-hmm. like I was sitting there thinking like, oh, I'm such a lunar energy. Like I'm so deep. Like I love the moon. Which like, by the way, cancers. Like I have a friend who is a cancer and she hates it because like the name cancer is kind of terrible. Um so she was like, that's terrible. But, like, they're ruled by the moon, and their element is water. And, like, that just sounds so cool to me. Oh, and their color scheme. Every house has a color scheme, apparently, according to this book. And there is opalescent white, jade, and sea green. I was like, that sounds really pretty. That does sound really pretty, but I dislike most cancers. <laughs> I can think of, like, two. 
that I like. So I'm, even and though I love that color scheme for you, I not, yeah. don't wish you to be a cancer. I'm not if saying you were that, a cancer, we wouldn't be able to live together. <laughs> I'm not saying, like, I am a cancer. I'm just saying, like, the stuff you, that their house, that their like. sign gets is, like, cooler than ours. Although ours is very pretty. Well, um, tell me about it. Stop dragging us. Anyway, anyway, she said that I was solar, and I spent so long in my life being like, how dare you say I'm solar? But then every time I told someone about that, they're like, yeah, but the way you just said that to me was very solar. I was like, get out of here. But then I come to accept it more of like, maybe I'm solar on the outside and lunar on the inside. And then I mm. opened this book, and it was like, Leo was ruled by the sun. I was like, how dare you? Well, aren't you a Cancer rising? I don't remember. I have to pull up my birth chart. So our we're ruled by the sun. Our element is fire. The sun is in the fifth house when we were born, and... This book also gives, like, body parts that are, like, ruled by that sign. Ours is uh, the heart. Oh, that's Europe. sweet. I Which, can see that because Leos are supposed to be very passionate. Um, so that makes sense. I mean, it's way better than... Um, you got, like, the toe. <laughs> Pisces just got feet. <laughs> Mom, I am so sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. Hang on. There's one that's worse. Um, and feet? Yes. Sagittarius has um, hips, thighs, and buttocks. <laughs> <laughs> and then Scorpios. Their hips don't lie. Scorpios have reproductive organs. And, oh, and then... That they- makes so much sense for them because Scorpios are such snakes. <laughs> Ew. Um, no, but it gets worse. <laughs> oh Scorpios are reproductive organs and... Here we go. Organs of elimination. What? <laughs> so, like, the colon, probably. <laughs> <laughs> Why like, do they call it like, that? like, poor Scorpios. Like, we get the heart. Yeah, how is that fair? I don't know. <laughs> it's not. That's because Leos are the superior. Virgos get that. intestines. Um, Geminis get shoulders, arms, hands, lungs, and the nervous system. Aries gets head, which doesn't make sense to me. No, that makes so much sense to me. No, but, like, I feel like Aries, like, don't use their head. No, I think that makes sense in terms of, like, aggression. Like, that you head first, you don't really think. Yeah. Okay, okay. That's how I read it. Our color scheme is gold and yellow. Oh, that's, like, bright and fun. Yeah. Gold is, like great i know i like that one of the other ones also got not that i have anything like, Get out here. yellow it's just not my color but yeah oh well, i mean I I'm say Huff- as i'm wearing yellow leggings <laughs> right now i mean i'm a hufflepuff so even though i don't feel like yellow really looks good on me like i live, in, I live hufflepuff. in yellow um yeah. <laughs> um our mascot is a lion as we know as we know and then this book assigned like a verb to like <laughs> every house that was, every sign right, what's our verb that, like i was calling it like a catchphrase because all of them are like i do this mm, um mm-hmm. i insert verb here mm-hmm. like aries where i am and taurus is i have oh i've heard of this before yeah yeah so leo is i express yeah 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 which yeah, i thought I was very fitting for the two of us because both of us are like artistic people i would yeah. like to think i also think that we're very expressive yeah. people like yeah. you and i are both really bad at hiding our emotions <laughs> we are um <laughs> uh, aquarius's color scheme makes me laugh because it's electric blue and neon <laughs> 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 which just makes me think of those like shirts that i feel like boys wore when we were like in elementary school that had like blue and orange flames on them oh yeah Did you get that <laughs> That's like the reason I hate the colors blue and orange. Those shirts <laughs> scarred me. All these Aquariuses. Also, it t- this book tells you w- which house is an introvert and which is an extrovert, and it says that Leos are extroverted, and I like. Well, yeah, because they're supposed to be like brave and like. 
I just feel like I'm expressive like expressive in itself is a extroverted word. I just feel like I'm so the opposite of an extrovert. Like parties, like I want to die. But but also, I think that you're. I think maybe both of us are introverted extroverts. Where like mm-hmm. when we're around people that we like and we know oh, yeah. and we really care about, like really flourish. Like when I when I'm at my school, like I'm the most extroverted person. I never feel any sort of nervousness around yeah. them. And then I'm with people my own age. If I don't really know them, I like really shut down. I have a really hard time with that. So I think it's about comfort that when yeah. you're with, because there are people who even when they're with people they're comfortable with, they're still quiet and reserved and we're definitely not those people like you know i'm always the loudest person in a room so noah centineo said in an interview (laughs) episode one we brought up noah centineo (laughs) oh i already have plans to bring him up he's in notes he like uses like social time to charge and maybe it's the other way around like he charges one way and then expresses himself the other and i was like that makes sense like you need your you time Mm -hmm. well it's interesting because the actual definition of introverted and extroverted is how you regain energy like do you regain energy Mm. from being around people or do you regain energy from being alone and like i according to that like i think i would actually be an introvert because i need I need my alone time. Like, I need time to sit and mm-hmm. watch television or, like, read a book or something like that. But I do love being around people and yeah. I love making plans. And my Myers-Briggs says that I'm in an extrovert. So that's really um, the what I got for you all today. Uh, if you have any further questions about any of the specific houses, I made this monster chart that I will go back and look at. We can post it on our website. We'll post yeah. the chart on the website. It's like too. a Microsoft chart. That's like <laughs> all the fonts are Add crazy. Add a fun font. Do, do it in Baskerville. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, James. So, you know, Wikipedia might call it a pseudoscience, and, like, it probably is, but, like, I think it's fun. And it was fun. That was it's a lot fascinating of, to talk about. That was a lot of fun. Thank you for covering that. Thank you. I appreciate it. Okay, one day we'll have an ad here. <laughs> but that day's not today. All right. Great, Sarah. So what have, what have you been wondering oh, about no. this week? Oh, I no. Didn't, I didn't have my notes ready. <laughs> Brief pause. This is the first time in history that I've ever seen Sarah unprepared. So this week, because Jane decided to cover astrology, which mm-hmm. is something she's passionate about, I decided to cover something that I'm passionate about right now, which are tarot cards, because my New Year's resolution this year was to do a tarot reading every day, which I have not been doing, and I will own up to that. But... You do them pretty often. I, feel I like do I always often. walk in on you doing readings. Yeah, and it's something that has... <laughs> I make it sound like I don't knock. I just come into your room. Oh, you're doing a reading. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you've messed up my creative energy. <laughs> The candle that I've lit, lit blows out. It's no, not Leo, we don't knock. We express <laughs> <laughs> the thirteenth sign that's just like super polite, and everything is like I knock. <laughs> so, so I've been reading tarot cards for about three months now, mm-hmm. and it's a skill that I've been building, and it's become really important to my personal like practice. You know, but it has it has really opened up my mind a lot, and it's caused me to rethink. Um, situations in a lot of ways and that's that's the point of tarot it's to introduce a new idea to you to reconfigure your way of thinking about a topic or a question that you're asking and that's been really amazing for me so but I don't know a lot about where tarot came from Um, I bought the tarot cards I gave Jane a set of tarot cards from France um, I need to learn well, French. When I went <laughs> to learn French, no. And when I went French. to France last summer, and I also bought myself a set. While I was there because I knew that tarot was like kind of founded in France and Italy, but um, I didn't know a lot about that. So I decided to like really dig into the history of tarot cards and where they came from and how that practice um, as a divination practice 
came out. So tarot cards, as we know, are the most popular cards used in divination nowadays, but it did not start that way. Mm. Um, and there's a lot of misconception, I'm going to say, about how tarot cards are used. And I'm just going to say it right now, like, tarot cards are not a method of predicting the future. Um, <laughs> if you, there's a lot of people that will try to tell, the first time I had my tarot cards read was at my post-prom party, and this woman, like, essentially did a future, uh, a, for, uh, like, fortune telling mm-hmm. with them. And that's definitely a possibility, but that's not a common use. So get that stereotype out of your head, because that's not what they're for. But before they were used for divination, they actually um, had a totally different purpose. So tarot cards are traced back to 15th century Italy. So way back in the 1400s, people were using tarot cards. Um, But tarot cards were originally pieced together from other existing card games. So they actually, in tarot, there's two... There's two types of cards. There's a major arcana and the minor arcana. And those came from two totally separate decks of cards that Italians then put together to create tarot. So, like, someone left out, like, a solitaire deck and an uno deck, and then they accidentally got, like, shuffled <laughs> together, up. and they were like, well, now, like, <laughs> what game can we make out of this? <laughs> this one says draw four, so... <laughs> exactly. You're about to get some money. Exactly. <laughs> So the minor arcana are the most like a typical traditional deck of cards that you would see. They have four suits and they're numbered ace to ten. And did you know that ace to ten cards are called pip cards? Pip cards? Pip cards, yeah. Like the squirrel from Enchanted? <laughs> what? Yeah, it's named after him. <laughs> Um, there's four court cards in tarot. In regular cards, there's three. Most decks, they'll be called the page, knight, queen, king. My deck, instead of the page, it's the knave. These traditional playing cards originated in China, so they were the first people to have cards as we know them today. Um, and then those moved through India and got to Italy through India. Okay. Um, in tarot today, the four suits are cups, swords, wands, and pentacles. It's a and pentacle. A pentacle? The circle with the star in the middle. Okay. Yeah. Pentacles, which means a whole bunch of things, and it's not just devil worship. <laughs> Tarot cards don't worship the devil. <laughs> these suit, these suits probably derive from Mamluk cards, which came from Egypt or the Middle East, one of the two. And I'll get back to that's important to remember that they, okay. that those symbols came from Egypt. And I found this picture that's like cards from like 600 AD that have the symbols on them that like you can tell are a cup, yeah, a sword. Some sort of wooden stick and then something mm-hmm. resembling a pentacle that would be the equivalent of a pentacle for yeah. ancient Egyptian culture culture. Like a, a symbol, an important symbol. So that's the minor arcana. The major arcana are most likely a European invention. The major arcana arcana are the cards that are in Roman numerals in a deck of cards and mm-hmm. each one is different. So like they're they're humanly figures. Okay. They're not yeah, objects. Yeah. And they, they think that these were a European invention because based off of like the function and the imagery, like when you look at when you I mean my tarot cards that I have have Botticelli paintings on them, so like obviously yeah. they look very European. But even like the original art from tarot cards, like you can tell was of a European eye invention, mm-hmm. just the way they were painted. Um, and that style of painting. Um, and the earliest mention of the major arcana cards was in 1440. The Duke of Milan uh, sent a letter requesting special triumph cards, which he clearly states in the letter are different than the traditional playing cards that they were that had 
migrated over from China. Um, And these triumph cards, he said, had allegorical illustrations. So not only was the art pretty, but it also had a specific meaning. And they think that these were the major arcana cards. So they were called triumph cards for a very long time. So the combination of these two decks became tarot cards, and those were originally called trifoni, which means triumph in Italian. And they were used as everyday playing cards, not for divination. So the originally tarot cards were like just some fun games that people were playing on their days off. Um, and somewhat, one place said that like the original tarot games were kind of like bridge, which like makes me laugh because bridge now is considered like an old woman's game. <laughs> so the yeah. oldest surviving cards, I thought this was really interesting. The oldest, we they still have some of these cards. The oldest surviving um, Trifoni cards, um, and the oldest ones are called the Visconti Sforza tarot deck, um, and they are named after two dukes of Milan. There were originally fifteen decks of these cards that they had specifically made, and the reason that there were so few is because the cards were hand painted. Um, every single one so obviously it was a lot to produce and like the printing press hadn't been invented yet um so there are 15 decks of these cards and portions of all of them like still exist but there's no complete set but the most complete deck which has 74 of the 78 tarot cards um still exists and you can see 35 of them at the Pierpont Morgan Library in New York oh my god we should go yeah we can go on a field trip isn't that cool I also thought it was cool. So tarot cards were originally hand-painted with liquid gold, and I thought that was really cool because my tarot... With liquid gold? Liquid gold, yeah. They would melt gold and paint it, which I thought was really cool because my tarot cards are, like, gilded. So I was like, aw, they look like they would look like mine. (laughs) Um, So I thought that was really cool. So people began referring to the games that they they would play, um, specifically the game that was, like, bridge as tarocchi, which is the Italian version of the word tarot. Around 1530. Using extended tarot was also developed in Florence specifically and used in Tuscany, which is called the Minchiate deck. Um, and that included astrological and elemental cards. So we could combine our two Ayy. our two interests, which is really cool. I feel and like astrology some, and tarot kind of overlap. In they some, do. Just like in the like interpretation. Yeah, can be and taken like the you can way. use you can use your astrology to use to do a tarot reading, mm-hmm, which I'll talk mm-hmm. about later, actually. Okay. Um, but I thought that was really cool, and they still play that game in Florence. Mm-hmm. Um, to this day, they have those special decks. So what we know tarot is now, Tarot de Marseille, which is the deck that I got for you when I was in France. Um, and that's the most famous tarot cards, uh, even though the one they're not the most commonly used anymore, but they are the most famous, and those originated in France. And they think that France probably got a hold of tarot games because they conquered Milan and Piedmont in 1499. And then they took the game and they kind of redesigned it. And then they took some of the images on it and redesigned it. And then they would reintroduce them into Italy later using those Marseille designs. So we don't really have, we only have those 15 decks from Italy to show what tarot cards looked like Mm -hmm. before because then everything after became the tarot de Marseille because in Marseille was like a huge printing community. So they took the tarot cards from Italy, redesigned them using French designs Mm -hmm. and then like mass produced them. Um, So now what we know as tarot really came from that redesign that happened um, in Marseille. And the most important thing that happened during that that redesign is that they incorporated the full card as card zero. Because a fool cannot be tricked, and it can, therefore it doesn't have any weight. So if you think about them being used as card games and not reading games, like a card that was worth nothing would have been like very important. Isn't that cool? Oh my goodness. Yeah, which is funny because in tarot there are identifiers um and 
<laughs> there was recently a quiz on BuzzFeed. It's like, what tarot card are you? And people getting the full were like very offended. <laughs> <laughs> But the full is actually, like, really important yeah. in divination readings. Um, now the full stands for, like, new beginnings and starting fresh and stuff like that, which is, like, obviously a really important sentiment, which I thought was cool. Um, but that's how it got started. It was incorporated as card zero. So when did it begin to be used for divination? Good question, Jane. Um, <laughs> So, some people believe originally, this is a quote, the meaning of the imagery was parallel to the mechanics of the play of every game. The random draw of the cards created a new, unique narrative in every time the game was played, and the decisions players made influenced the unfolding of that narrative. So, it's like a very early Dungeons and Dragons. Like, they sit there, and they're like, my character's going to do... It wasn't like a character. It was like a third person. It's like, I'm going to do this. And then they would flip over the death card, and it would be like, damn. (laughs) (laughs) And that's, like, the earliest trace back. So they started using them to, like, play a narrative game as opposed to, like, a regular card game. I feel like, given my personality, I should be into Dungeons & Dragons. Somehow, like, I missed that boat. But, like, everything about me, like, points to being a Dungeons & Dragons person. We'll do an episode about it. We will. I've tried to play it once. My brother used to play it with our next-door neighbor all the time. And one time, he was like, I'm going over to play Dungeons & Dragons. And I was, like, seven or something. And I was, like, I thought he meant he was just going to, like, go, like, play pretend. And, like, they were going to... There's like what they were calling their pretend was Dungeons and Dragons. So I thought there was gonna be like dragons and they were gonna be like trapped in the dungeon and I was like, Sounds so fun, like can I come? And he was like he rolled his eyes, was like, I mean if you want, like if you must. <laughs> so I like went along and then I was just like sitting next to him and his friend while they were like rolling dice and his like friend was like doing weird voices and being like, And then an elf named Pinky came along and told you he could free you from the tree, but only if you give him money or like <laughs> I was like, this isn't what I signed up for at all. I want someone to rescue me from a dungeon. So, one website also said that early 16th century poets used the major arcana to create verses called taroki appropriate. Um, Mm -hmm. So, essentially, they used the tarot cards um, to write poems about famous people. So, they would, like, turn over a card and be like, it's the empress. So, they would write like a poem about the queen of Italy, essentially. Mm. Uh, so they like, use it to like gain inspiration, which I find really interesting because in modern tarot readings, readers will pick the major arcana, will pick one of those cards as an identifier to stand in for themselves in a tarot spread. So if you're trying to answer a question that's really centered on yourself, you per- you pick as opposed to the cards kind of unfolding as they do you specifically pick a card in that spread to represent you and say like this is me going through something right now and that can be influenced by a lot of things it could be influenced by your astrological sign um what you look like so for example if we went by like me as a young woman most times young women will pick the empress card but if we go by my star sign which is a leo it would be the strength card and i relate a lot more to the strength card than i do the empress card so the actual divination practice can first really be seen with like unambiguous evidence like this is definitely what they were doing in bologna sometime in the early 1700s during the early italians renaissance italians applied several western schools of thought to christian schools of thought astrological schools of thought that's Mm -hmm. when they started incorporating those into divination practices so then next they took the tarot and they kind of aligned the two so the early Italians were probably the ones that were like oh this card is represented by this sun sign whatever Mm -hmm. um and like connected the zodiac with 
with tarot cards um because that was a big thing in the early renaissance was like expanding your thought on spirituality but it was also still very christian it was very much like divination god showed me the way um in italy skip ahead like 300 years harry potter is written harry potter got written professor trelawney enters the room um in 1781 a french freemason named antoine court de gablin sure published a complex analysis of the tarot in which he revealed the symbolism in tarot was in fact derived from the esoteric secrets of egyptian priests now remember how i said that the minor arcana cards probably came from egypt yeah so this is probably where he got this idea that but he wasn't just saying oh these were drawn in egypt he was like these have deep secrets now this is just before the rosetta stone was discovered so they didn't know how to translate hieroglyphs yet so they really thought that egyptians had like discovered the secrets of the universe (laughs) essentially so de gablin went on to explain that this ancient occult knowledge had been carried to rome and revealed to the catholic church and the popes and they wanted to keep this arcane knowledge a secret because they were uncomfortable with spiritualism and divination and they really wanted to squash it um and like the italian renaissance had made them really uncomfortable with this like new forms of thought and this idea remember they had just learned pretty recently that the earth was not the center of the universe it was the sun and therefore like a lot of people were like well if the sun's the center of the universe then god is not the center of the universe right yeah so this like whole concept made them very uncomfortable so this guy was like essentially feeding off the paranoia um, of the people that the Catholic Church was like hiding something from them and was like they know that there are esoteric secrets hidden in tarot cards which is why they don't want to share them with you but they know these secrets and they haven't shared them with you so essentially this was like a really big conspiracy theory because there's actually no evidence to support yeah. that any of this ever had any esoteric notions to it or any links to ancient Egypt or the hieroglyphs or anything like that. So this guy was a huge conspiracy theorist running around Italy telling people that there were secrets in the cards and that they would unlock some, like, secret power. That's me in Italy. First I was in the caves during the moon drawings, (laughs) and then I was in Italy running around yelling about it. Yeah, and then you became this guy. Um, (laughs) But people really bought into this, especially the wealthy elite, because they loved the idea that ancient knowledge was hidden in something, and that there was, like, a challenge, because wealthy people had lots of time to themselves to, like, try to unlock secrets or whatever. <laughs> um, so then in nineteen in 1791, um, Jean-Baptiste Alliette, a French occultist, released mm-hmm. the first tarot deck designed specifically for divinatory purposes, rather than as a, for a part of the game or entertainment. So finally, he, like, he the cards were pretty much exactly the same. He was just, like, guess what it reads the stars Mm. Um, and like that's probably when they started coming up with oh this card means this thing especially the minor arcana because the major arcana already had like allegorical drawings to it so this was a crazy marketing plan that just went really far (laughs) (laughs) just the biggest marketing scheme in divinatory practices ever to be like hey like this is an occultist tool now and people like still weren't really afraid of the occult um they kind of thought it was like cool and mystical and interesting um because it's also the time of colonialism so things that are foreign are exciting um so that also Mm -hmm. was kind of feeding into it as well so then tarot grew in popularity as did interest in spiritualism and occultism so that's how 
modern divinatory tarot practices came about. Last thing is that most people now, so there's the Tarot de Marseille, which was used for many, many years. Um, but now there's the Rider Weight deck, which almost all printed tarot cards now are based off of the Rider Weight deck. Um, even if it's not specifically a Rider Weight deck. So those come in the yellow boxes and like you'll see them everywhere. Like I have a mini tarot that's a pocket tarot and those are the Rider Weight deck. And the Rider Weight deck um, is a modification of the Tarot de Marseille. Um, so there was a group called Golden Dawn, which like doesn't that sound like a group of Golden Dawn from a Mission Impossible movie? Golden Dawn, and I don't know what they were a group for, um, but they modified some of the imagery to be better for divination, specifically the Minor Arcana. So before the Minor Arcana, say they pulled the full Four of Cups, the card would just have four cups on it. So this okay. they redrew it so that it would also have allegorical artwork to it, like the Major arcana um and kind of be more easy to interpret based off of look versus based off of like deep practice and study yeah. and kind of make it more accessible and that was in 1909 that's the biggest change they made to the tarot de marseille also they illustrated the minor arcana and this is really important in tarot to tell a story from beginning to end so within the cups um one or ace through king tells like a very specific story so they incorporated that knowledge that had kind of just been floating around in a bubble being like oh yeah because this is all like verbal Mm -hmm. they hadn't really printed guidebooks into reading tarot yet this is all verbally passed down and based Mm -hmm. off of like kind of what you see which is still a practice in tarot like yes every tarot deck now comes with a book that explains what each card means but just so much of part of it is like looking at the cards and being like what do you see and what does that mean to you it's really like personal when you read it so they took the minor arcana and they took each suit and they illustrated it with the story arc from beginning to end which is why in each suit the like seven eight nines normally those cards represent a time of like turmoil or conflict or something like that so in one of them it'll be financial troubles and one of them it'll be romance troubles or something like that around eight nine and then normally by the end, like the kings or something like that is about like overcoming or resolution or something like that. Cause it has a, now has a story from beginning to end. Um, so that's pretty much everything on tarot cards. I thought it was interesting awesome. that like it's history is not in mysticism, but now like modern Western mystics have accepted it as like a really important tool, even though like it started as a regular card game that they were like, Oh, these are cool symbols. Let's just use these. Interesting. Yeah. And that's that's all about Tara. <laughs> when you were saying the thing about like seven, eight, like six and seven, eight, you said seven, eight, nine, and my brain went like, oh, so now there's another reason to be afraid of seven other than that <laughs> seven, eight, nine. <laughs> <laughs> That's where that joke came from. It's a tarot joke. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. We did it. We did the first one. We did Let's it. Let's talk about some stuff. So you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at YKWIBW Podcast. Yeah. You can check our website out at I'veBeenWondering.com. You can find us on Patreon at Patreon.com slash YKWIBW Podcast. And we have some exciting benefits we have some tiers um for if you want to donate to us um so if you donate two dollars you are going to get a shout out on the air which we're going to do in just a minute and then after we do that we will also be revealing next episode's topics Mm -hmm. um if you donate five dollars you are going to get a thank you card from us in the mail which is super exciting 
Um, also, we make them pretty. We will. We'll make them really pretty. Yeah. Um, they'll be really cool. Um, and then also everyone who donates on Patreon, like you'll get first notice of any news. Um, so if we like ever get a ref, we ever end up doing merch or something like that, or we start doing Facebook lives or anything like that, you'd get the first, oh, yeah. the first heads up on that. Anyone who donates on Patreon. And then our $10 level, um, if you donate at the $10 level, you are going to get all the things we've already mentioned. Plus, you can choose between a tarot reading from me or a birth chart reading from Jane. And maybe she'll tell you about what your what your action is <laughs> and what colors are good for you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I can definitely tell you, like, like what your sign is in this, like, what I have in this chart about you. But I could also just actually, like give you a birth chart reading by, like, looking at your star chart and seeing, like, more information about, like, your planetary placement and things like that. So, yeah. 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 And that's, like, what we have right now. But, you know, in the future, we'd love to add more things um, to thank our Patreon donors. If you have something you've been wondering about, you can email us at I've been wondering podcast at gmail.com. And please send us the things that you've been wondering. We'd love love to start covering those, too, and not just have it be um, us and our weird thoughts. It doesn't have to be spiritual. It doesn't have to be having to do with anything like particularly millennial which is definitely where our first couple episodes are going mm-hmm. uh, it could be literally anything you've been wondering that you want us to look into right um we have a lot of stuff we want to talk about yeah that, definitely like, especially relevant to millennial culture but like we'd love to talk about other stuff too yeah you can find us on itunes spotify stitcher pretty much anywhere that you get your podcasts um if you are so inclined please leave us a five-star review on itunes it does a lot to help us you know spread our podcast and get people get more people to listen and join us on this journey i think that's everything do you have anything you want to add Special thanks to Bradley Parsons, who wrote our intro song. We oh, love it. We, I, like, almost cried when I heard it the first time. Yeah, we, like, screamed. It's absolutely amazing. So thank you, Bradley. Um, special thanks again to Philippa for letting us use her <laughs> bedroom in Boston, um, where we conceived this podcast, that you are a gift to everyone. Ooh, depending on what day this uh, episode comes out, if it comes up before March 20th, then it'll be our... Then you know what I've been wondering. Podcast is going to be a Pisces. And it will also be born on Hufflepuff Pride <laughs> Somewhere on Facebook I saw that, like, starting March 20th, it's, like, Pride Day for each of the houses. So March 20th is Hufflepuff. March 21st is Slytherin. 22nd is Gryffindor. And March 23rd is Ravenclaw. So, you know. So next Saturday I'm Our house is bookending. Yeah. Next Saturday I'm going to be really lit. All right. Thank you for listening. Jane, do you know what I've been wondering? What are you wondering? Um, I've been wondering why kombucha <laughs> is the way it is. I, how long has it been around? Because I feel like I've only heard about it in the last like three years, and now yeah. suddenly everyone's drinking it and telling me to drink it. It kind of so came just, out of nowhere. And that's what I'm wondering about. Okay, I will look into kombucha and tell you all about it. Thank you. In the next right. episode. Excellent. Um, you know what I've been wondering, tell Sarah? Me what I've been wondering. I've really been wondering. Why the heck do people have middle names? Why is just a first name and a last name not enough? Oh, that's interesting. Because, like, your first name is, like, what you're called, and mm-hmm. then your last name is your family. So, so then why do we have middle what names? What the heck is what the middle is name for? for? It's so that your last name doesn't have to be your last name on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a good question. Yeah. Is All it right. just because people, like, couldn't decide on a first name? So they're like, oh, we'll give them two, but, you know, we won't even really use it. I don't it. know. I don't know, but right now, but 
I'll know later. Okay. <laughs> All right. Great. All right. Thank you for listening. This is You Know What I've Been Wondering.